Peter, how do I put the Joker in Arkham Asylum? Quickest route, no freeways. Computer, do you hear me? Hello, Master Bruce. I have just taken away your computer privileges. Gasp! Sir, it's time for you to stop this unhealthy behavior. You need to take responsibility for your life, and it starts by raising your son. I'm sorry. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. The young orphan you adopted at the gala. I thought I was being sarcastic. Hello, secret camera. <gasps> Batman! Whoa! You're darn right, whoa. Wait, does Batman live in Bruce Wayne's basement? No, Bruce Wayne lives in Batman's attic. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast, where uh, each week we attempt to pair the finest of cocktails with the finest of comic books. Um, that is when a recording program does not totally fuck us over. Uh, this is attempt three at recording uh, episode... I don't remember what the episode is. Fifteen. Eight, I think it's more than fifteen. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know. I just wanted to say fifteen. You want to say fifteen? I think this is more than fifteen. Hold on. No, I, th- I think it's a really sixteen. Forty-two. But, you know, whatever. Forty-two? Yes. Episode forty-two. The answer is always forty-two. Exactly. Uh, 7,621. This is episode 16, actually. 16. 16. Damn. Have we really been doing this for that long? Yeah, we really have. I'm impressed. Yeah, anyway, so this is episode 16, four months in. Uh, Welcome to it. Uh, This week we are discussing Batman Hush, uh, which is by the writer Jeff Loeb, and uh, artist by uh, Jim Lee and uh, Scott Williams, I'm assuming is the inker. Um, and uh, colorist. Yeah, he's, he's always um, Jim Jim Lee's collaborator. With oh, artists. Jim Lee's collaborator. Fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. The expert on Jim Lee and uh, and Scott Williams, you have uh, vodka drinker extraordinaire Q. Hi. So, um, 1776 is almost over, which is awesome. I just did the laundry last night. It took forever. Once again, I shout out to, to Grandma's Spot Remover. I think I did this last time, too. Mm-hmm. But that shit is so amazing. I'm not even kidding. I, w- I, w- I will literally sell that shit for free. Like, I don't even need to get paid, but everyone needs to have this. Anyway, <laughs> um, I was just recently asked, so originally I was just going to be doing the Electra costume for um, a production of Gypsy. I was oh. just asked to do all three strippers, so I'm pretty excited about that. Wow. Um, nice. Yeah, so I'm having a production meeting on Friday, meeting the actresses on Wednesday. Um, so that's going to be at uh, Reston Community Players in Reston, Virginia. So excited about that. And then August 9th is our first day of auditions for White Christmas, which I can't believe we're already talking about a Christmas show. And it's like literally the hottest time ever in like American history. That is so hot. It is so hot. Um <laughs> But anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's me. Okay, bye. That is, I will say, the danger of working in entertainment in general is that by the time the actual holiday rolls around, you've been working on it so long, you're fucking over it. I have not enjoyed Christmas in probably, like, ten years, at least. Anyway, someone who always enjoys Christmas and has a whiskey sour, as we may have caught at the beginning of this recording, we have Todd. Hi, I'm Todd. I'm here in Utah. I recently bought a black vehicle with black interior, and for the past two weeks, I've been greatly regretting this. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you, I'm like, should I get, like, twice the illegal tinting on my windows and just drive it somewhere else and walk because it sits in the sun all day and I get in and it's like 120 inside and it's awful. So thank you, sun. We have hot weather. Yep, that's me. Okay. Next. Uh, next, moving on, we have uh, the Riddler himself. Uh, 
I don't know what you're drinking right now, Adam, but we have Adam. Oh, I'm drinking, it won't be my drink for the actual episode, but I am drinking vodka mm-hmm. because, uh, fuck today. Um, yeah, hi, uh-huh. I'm Adam. <laughs> uh, I do stuff with Big Chinese Robot and Bored as Hell Podcast and other things that I'm pissed at and we won't talk about right now. Um, yeah, up here in Utah and with my line of work, we are also starting to think about Christmas and that makes me sad. So yeah. I'll probably be drinking more. <laughs> Uh, and then come see me at Salt Lake Comic Con in about a month. I don't know what panels I'll be on, but I know I'll be on doing a couple of them. And most likely about movies, video games, and possibly some Civil War stuff. I'm not sure yet. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. And uh, I'm Brian, also work in entertainment. We're also talking about holidays, but I'm actually looking forward to it because where I work, working in the summer means you do fucking nothing and you're bored as hell. Uh, not Adam's podcast, just, you know, being bored. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I got nothing else interesting to talk about right now. However, uh, previously, and I kind of want to jump into this before we get into uh, Batman Hush, uh, our first two episodes were actually on the book uh, The Killing Joke, and we, I believe, everybody except for me, went and saw the Fathom Events screening of the new show, um, which by the time this episode comes out, it, uh, it will already be out, but I want to get your guys' uh, opinions and thoughts on it, because we texted about it a little bit back and forth. Um, you guys want to, because I don't, I don't, didn't get to see it, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts to add to it, but uh, do you guys want to jump in and discuss that a little bit? I'm going to be a, probably the counterpoint to Q and Adam, I think, so I'll let them go first, and then I'll give my my, my well, last. I mean, no, I mean, we, so, uh, Todd and I had a mandate last night. Uh, to, oh, that's cute. Awesome. Thank to you. To Jason Bourne. <laughs> which is like yes. James Bond's stupid little brother. And, <laughs> I mean... Just the mute one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you think uh, Max from Mad Max had very few lines in Fury Road? Uh, yeah, this one, like, it's half that, if, if that at all. Oh, um, wow. No, I actually, you know, I, I liked a lot... Well, actually, I loved everything that focused on the actual story of the killing joke and what's in the trade paperback. Uh, the rest of the stuff can go fuck itself. And that's about my 30-second review. <laughs> okay. I agree with that. The beginning part was not even worth it. I think it. I think it dragged. I think. I think it was too slow. Um, uh, I. Th- I think it took away from the point of what the killing joke is. Um, because you know, even you don't even get to see the Joker until 30 minutes into the movie, and this is supposed to be like the definitive Joker story. Um, I think it completely went against character um, with with a lot of things. I think that it was just um, beating a dead body that's already in a fridge. And, um, yeah, I, I, I also was not a, a huge fan of some of the animation. I thought that the, the marriage between some of the more computerized graphics and the hand-drawn really wasn't there, especially when it was on such a large screen. Um, I thought the musical number was weird. Like, I, I knew that the, there was a musical number that happened um, in the it, when like in the theme park, but I just I thought that it kind of fell flat. Um, as uh, a friend friend of mine who went with me, who barely knows comic books, um, doesn't didn't know the story at all. He fell asleep, um, <laughs> especially in that first thirty minutes part. Um, he he's also you know a huge musical theater person like I am, and he was also not impressed with with the music like the way the music was written. Um, anyway, it 
it was like a valiant attempt at doing something, and I and I knew that the actual story part of the killing joke was was gonna be good. Like I I, I wanted it to to be good, and it to me it just it just sort of fell flat. It, it really didn't capture the emotion of the of the story. Um, you know, I didn't feel as bad for the Joker. Um, but good good things. Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, of course, wonderful. Um, I, they're they're once again our our child. You know, everyone here, our, our childhood Batman and, and Riddler, uh, Riddler, Joker, because I'm looking at the screen that says Riddler on there. Um, but, um, yeah, it just it just kind of fell flat for me, and I probably got a little more soured about it because of that first 30 minutes. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll stop talking. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, as I go in, I don't believe in sacred cows. So, Killing Joke is a seminal thing. Yes, it's great. But, at the same time, this was set to animation. And the graphic novel and the animation can be separate things. And how the film version is or is not executed well doesn't add or take away from the graphic novel. With that being said, the beginning story did feel like a tacked-on B episode of Batman the Animated Series. I guess what they were trying to do was to get you to care more about Barbara, Batgirl, for when she does get shot. Spoiler. We already did this. We're on an episode. They should, I mean, theoretically, I would imagine people would know. So what they're trying to do, and I guess the point of the story was add weight to when she gets shot to see why everyone cares more. And then seeing her slip into the role of Oracle at the end. And that was the attempt. How well it was done, eh, you can argue. But if they had just strictly done the animation of The Killing Joke, it would have been 35, 40 minutes, and that in itself would have been off-putting yeah. as and, well. Yeah, and, and that's why they had to they had to add Slane to it. And I really, I don't object to their trying to do that. Um, I was talking with mm-hmm. Eddie afterwards, because he wasn't as familiar with the, the source material. And, you know, the, the one thing everyone freaked out about was the whole thing with Barbara sleeping with Bruce Wayne, or Batgirl, Batman, however you want to view that scene. And, and honestly, so the story surrounding that, and I don't want to go into too much detail, but it's pretty much, uh, it's, it's Batgirl learning, kind of following Batman in his footsteps, and learning that he took a, made a choice in his life that took him down a path that she didn't want to go down. And that part of the story was interesting and was unique, and I actually enjoyed it's just that whole five, six-minute thing of her pining over Batman like a horny schoolgirl and then getting pissed that he wouldn't call her. That's not necessary. We don't need that in her character. Um, the, and the thing is, I, I think that the story would have been fine if they just would have left it with, like, if they cut out the sex part and just left it with the whole side crime story with her and that... Um, Getting too close to someone who is infatuated with you, kind of thing. Yeah, or, or, or like, because the whole thing was she was getting too involved with that, with the crime boss guy, and mm-hmm. and I, I I I was like, okay, you know, this isn't you know my favorite thing, but okay, you know, this is this is okay, and I think the story just would if you wanted people to care about Batgirl, mm-hmm. she didn't have to have sex with Batman. She just had to fight crime with Batman, and I think the violence that she showed towards the end of of the story. Um, or the end of that first part of the story. Um, she didn't have to be mad at Batman for having sex with her and then um, ignoring her. She could have just been mad about the fact that he didn't want to train her. Like it, because the, the way that I am sort of picturing it, if this were, if this, if they did um, 
what's the name of the of the story where Rob the second Robin dies? A death in the family. A death in the family. So if this would have been a death in the family, and it would have been Robin instead of Batgirl. It would have just been that Robin wasn't doing what he was told. Batman was getting pissed at him, so he was cutting him out of, like, you know, the whole business, the the fighting crime. So then he gets mad, and then he, you know, beats someone to a bloody pulp. And then one thing is like, oh, do you know what? I better, I better step out. That, that's why I see it. it the, the, the thing with her being infatuated with Batman and having sex with him, it just, it didn't, it didn't need to happen. And I think it, like, rubs insult to injury of kind of the fridging that already happens to Batgirl in the story. And, and I get that they tried to, quote, undo the fridging by showing, uh, oh, well, this really enhanced her character um, by, by making her Oracle. But the Oracle storyline in the way com- comics the way that you know the original story played out um it was an afterthought like it wasn't the whole plan to paralyze barbara so she could become oracle it was no they paralyzed barbara and they're like oh well maybe we should have barbara do something so they created this other character for her so i i I didn't see like the need for that to happen in in her character arc in this story i i think the same purpose would have been had had it just been Batman and Batgirl fighting crime. She made a wrong choice. He got mad, and then she quit. Or even like show, or even just start with a killing joke, and then they kind of gave you a hint that she becomes Oracle at the very end, kind of like a midway credit credit scene. Why didn't you spend 20 minutes afterwards showing how the badass thing she did as Oracle, like maybe hacking things or something yeah, like that? Yeah. You know? See, and it didn't bother me. I thought it was, I. The intent, the execution you can talk about, but the intent and the sex and all that, that didn't really bother me. I thought it was fine. Well, and I, I think, I don't think that they went in trying to be like, oh, let's see what we can do to make that girl this, like, sex craze, you know. Sure. I thing. mean, she's she's a young woman trying to figure out things in life and where relationships right. go. Right, and so, in, and people on the internet who are freaking out about that and trying to go that route, you're stupid. Um, yeah, could they have handled the, the situation better? Yes. And overall, that beginning 26 minutes detracts from the whole experience uh, but what comes afterwards like again when it gets to the killing joke part I, I can't fault it I, I even love the musical number <laughs> okay uh, I think that uh, I think it gives everyone kind of a, a round opinion of uh, like a way to state what they thought about it uh, so we'll continue on with Batman uh, this is a different Batman storyline um, this is a Batman hush that we're talking about this week um, if you haven't read it before um, we're gonna currently give you a brief little summary about it and give you a, a chance to you know, pause the podcast and uh, and go check it out. Um, and depending on uh, which version you got by, it could be in two volumes or one. Um, uh, my copy is in two uh, volumes, uh, which, you know, doesn't detract from the reading of it. But uh, uh, just in case you're looking to get the full storyline, just be prepared that it might be written in two different volumes. Uh, the briefest way that I can possibly... Uh, explain this story is is that there is someone uh, manipulating Batman's rogue gallery to uh, somehow all come after him at a similar time and, and the entire uh, Batman family needs to come together and it even starts involving at certain points in time uh, Superman and uh, Clark Kent and uh, Lois Lane um, but so yeah so it's Batman trying to figure out well A is trying to handle all of his rogues gallery, but B trying to figure out who is behind all of them deciding to come and attack him at the same time. Uh, that is a very, very brief, quick discussion of it, but it is a, it's a fun book. 
um, and I think most of us agreed that we actually liked it uh, a fair amount, and uh, and we'll leave it at that before we dive in. So, if you haven't read it yet, this is your opportunity to do so now. Go ahead and pause us. We'll wait, um, and then uh, jump back in, uh, you know, and, and press play once you've read it, and uh, we'll go spoilerific all over this thing. Uh, so we'll see you guys on the flip side. So uh, welcome back. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the book. Um, if you didn't enjoy the book, uh, sorry for recommending it to you, I guess, or making you read it if you listen to this podcast. How can they not like this book? I, you know, it's like, I amazing. Know. I know. It's it's like it's like all of the best things that we all liked about the animated series because obviously people liked the villains. They don't really care about Batman. Uh, it is kind of interesting because I, I mean, before we get in too far into this, I. When I was younger, I was so fascinated with Batman, and I remember some of the older comics, like especially when like the the first Michael Keaton movie came out. I remember like pulling up some of the old comics, and uh, you know they they kind of reprint them and you know and stuff like because I didn't I wasn't really able to my I guess my parents had bought into the whole 1950s comics are going to ruin your brain, so I never really got to read a whole lot of comics as a child. Um, mm-hmm. But like I remember some of the other stuff, like being like Batman was this detective, and I always thought that was so interesting that you know Batman was a detective and he did all this stuff. And then as you get older, maybe it's just because you know are more interesting as you get older or something like that but yeah it it does feel like the the focus has been uh the uh, the villains and I, and I do think that sometimes as far as animation goes batman is treated as a more boring character and the the, the more interesting uh people are the are the villains for sure um you know even with just i mean just go to any comic-con look around and see who people are dressed up as batman or any of the myriad of his rogues gallery well, and yeah, yeah a good friend of ours or you know those of him but our friend vice he always said that you know evil is always more interesting and your hero is only as good as your best villains yeah, yeah. So. and Batman has some really good villains. He does, he does, and, and they're all in this book. I will they say, are. actually, that is an interesting point, though, because I, I will say, um, before the Flash TV show, I didn't really have much interest in him and wasn't really much aware of him because, like, like you can sit there and you can say, okay. Spider-Man, you can think of uh, at least one or two major villains, even if you don't necessarily know Spider-Man. Superman, you know of Lex Luthor. Uh, Batman, you know of the Joker. But like for, for, I don't know, for like Aquaman or for the Flash, like, I mean, Aquaman, like, is his greatest villain, like, Bumblebee Tuna Shipping Company or whatever? Like, what's, I don't understand. Black Manta. Okay, Black Manta. Okay, but see, like, I don't know that off the top of my head. Whereas, like, I had no idea. Yeah, Um, but uh, but also, also, you mentioned the Flash, who also has a great set of of uh, the Flash villains. They're they're more they're known more as like a a little jokier. Yeah, um, Gorilla Grodd, which is (laughs) well, okay, like Gorilla Grodd and um, Heat Wave, Captain Cold, Captain Boomerang. 
Um, well, it's funny, yeah, so my, uh, my old roommate... The trickster who Mark Hamill played in the original Flash TV show. And in the in new the one. Trickster, yeah. Yeah, he, oh, 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 did he play in the new one, too? That's he, fantastic. He, he was in the new one, and then he kind of had, like, the, there, was, the, there was a kid who was sort of like a copycat kind of thing. So Mark Hamill has been okay. in it. At least in the, I've only seen the first season, but I, I did love the first season of The Flash. No, but like, uh, so before the Flash TV show came out, uh, I had a roommate who, at the comic shop, bought me like a vintage comic book, you know, as a, a Christmas gift and whatever, and was like super excited. He was like, here's this Flash comic book. He goes, look, it's the first appearance of Captain Cold. And I'm like, who the fuck is Captain Cold? Like, I had no idea who the hell that was until the TV show came out. And then I'm like, oh, okay, that's really cool. But at the time I got it, I was just like, oh. Played by incredibly great. sexy Wentworth Miller. That's the guy from uh, uh, Prison, Break, Prison Break. Break. Yeah. Which, yes. mm-hmm. I still have no idea who Captain Cold is. So. <laughs> have, have you not seen the TV Harry show? Says, I don't know her. I don't know her. <laughs> uh, have you not seen the TV show? I haven't. The first season's on Netflix. I totally recommend it. It's actually really fun. Um, okay. I didn't like. I kind of went into it, kind of going, "Oh well, we'll just we'll see." Because I Arrow, I kind of was like, I had a hard time getting into it, and not to oversell too much. I, I ended up watching it and I probably I watched through that whole thing in like a week like I got addicted to it like because I, I bought it on um, uh, iTunes originally and I was I was watching it constantly like I loved it it, has, it feels like it has a lot more fun uh, in general than uh, Green Arrow does well once again that's because Flash is a much more lighthearted character mm-hmm. um, sure. than, than, than Green Arrow especially the way they set him up in the TV show obviously the only reason to watch Arrow is for the workout scenes I mean <laughs> duh um, no, it, it's but the amazing uh, acting ability of all those characters. I think I think it's hilarious that um, his sidekick in the show is Vibe, like one of the most hated uh, superheroes ever from the JLA, and they're like, and everyone's like, oh, I love him on the Flash, it's so great. And I'm like, really? Because everyone else hated him. <laughs> so Vibe Vi- Vi was created um, in the late '80s, early '90s as part of um, the which is now kind of referred to as like the diversity group <laughs> of of um, heroes that joined the JLA and he was like your stereotypical Mexican um, at least I think he's Mex- Hispanic we'll just say I was make a horrible, um, horrible and, joke but I'll stay away from that and he was a uh, he was a um Break dancer, and uh, you know he he and he um, anyway he he, he was just a, ter- a terrible stereotype as most any kind of um, quote unquote diversity people were, and it was anyway just awful. But yeah, anyway, people love him now, so I guess that's cool. Good good for vibe. Good, good for, for vibe. vibe. See. No, the Arrow burnt me out. I was watching the Arrow for or Arrow for a little while, and it just seems to be. I just stopped caring. Turned into like Malibu Barbie. A little bit, and I'm just like, you know, if I just want to watch all this melodrama, I'll watch Vampire Diaries instead. Yeah, well, and I, I've heard that I, they. Um, a lot of my friends who watched it because I only watched the first couple episodes before I just lost the time um, oh. to to watch it, and oh. I've heard that you have to like fight through the first like season and I'm like oh, I have to fight through the first season like you're not uh, selling me too hard on this and but all, of course like all my girlfriends like yeah but he's really hot so and he's like shirtless a lot and I'm like okay all right I'll give it I'll give it a moment and um and, and then they're like but season two and three oh they're so good and now all everyone just does is complain about uh, about it anyway we're totally we're half an hour into this and we have yet to even talk about this book yeah, but that's that's the fun of this show. I, 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 I have two things to say about the book. Um, 
So I've been doing pretty much all of these on my iPad. I've got the iPad Pro, and as far as I'm concerned, it is the best e-comic reader out there. Uh, except for this one. The problem with this one was uh, some of the scenes, which I'm assuming in the normal book were uh, spread across two pages. Mm -hmm. Little thought bubbles with the little um, narration bubbles and those are very, very small. And normally you can just kind of hold it up and look a little bit closer. But this one you really mm -hmm. kind of had to do the pinch to zoom thing. And then, you know, it kind of took you out of the thing because you had to pinch in to see it. And then you had to kind of move and scroll around and then go back to full page. So this has been the first comic I would probably recommend going with the print version just for the experience I have with it at least. Um, what app are you using? The Comixology yeah, app or something Comixology. else? Okay. Well, it, and to, that probably has something to do with Jim Lee's art style, which is still that sort of um, 90s splash page yeah. um, stuff. And they, they don't want to compromise the art to put it in you know, in the in the app form, I guess. And then, then the one thing, which, which which I'm sure can get frustrating. Yeah, it wasn't. It was like maybe once every 20 pages, but it was enough to where it was kind of an annoyance. Um, and then the one thing that I got started out with me, I was about halfway through, and uh, I asked my buddy Jer uh, Maya, I was like, so I'm assuming this all has a point, right? Because the first five issues or so really is just a lot of exposition and kind of set up for where the story is going. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, no, you're you're good. I'm like, all right, cool, because. I don't mind reading stories, but I kind of like my stories to go places, and I really felt that, and again, this this does end amazingly well to the point where like, I was, this is one of my favorite Batman stories ever now, um, but it does take its sweet time getting there, I'll say that. It's a very it, slow it, burn. It is, yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely a slow burn, and it, one of the reasons I liked it is because it reminded me a lot of old school Chris Claremont, where... You where you know the stories are happening and like the story by itself, it's like okay, well this is kind of wrapped up, but like a little bit to carry you on to the next issue. But there's all of these little subplots that are going on that are continually being carried through, and and like for example, Inferno uh, to go to X Men, uh, like the whole descent of Madeline Pryor. That was not a you know easy little trade paperback that you can put in. Like that was happening for a long time and um, obviously not this story is a, a lot shorter than, than oh, a Chris Claremont yeah. subplot <laughs> um, which, which some of which are still dangling out there um, That's good. but uh, like did everyone know that Colossus has a son that lives in uh, the Savage Land who knew um, but uh, anyway it, it, so uh, it's one of the reasons I liked it because there was that slow burn and you you really don't know what's going on because at first you think that it's one thing and then you find out that that person actually isn't the isn't the the lead villain it's someone else and then it turns into someone else and then it turns into someone else and I don't know, it was extremely interesting for me I mean this came out 2003 ish this was actually the first trade paperback I ever bought and I was getting into comics so as I was reading this hush it was for me a really discovery of comics of what for me what the medium could be and with Jim Lee's art and everything else I mean there's that kinetic energy the motion he's able to draw and everything else this I I fell in love with comics and really dove in and learned more because I had such a great experience with this but I will say Hush was the first trade I ever bought and it has a very special place in my heart and, and I was going to say this: what a great book to start on because it yeah. really gives you the, mm -hmm. the you know the intro it introduces everyone everyone in the yeah, bat the, family the everyone 
Everyone in the rogues gallery. Well, at least, you know, major players. Sure. Um, and, but, yeah. But, 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 but for someone who at least knew tangently the, the animated series, like, it has everyone mm-hmm. who's in the animated series. And then and then you get the added bonuses of some of the um, allies that weren't in the in the animated series. Um there's the there's the um, highs and lows of the Batman Catwoman relationship, which mm-hmm. for me I was like, finally, this is really happening. Like the world, <laughs> everything is right in the world. Um, and but but you still get like the awkwardness of the Talia Al Ghul who who shows up. Um, and the killing joke, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know, and you get death in the family. You, mm-hmm. you know, um, all all of this stuff. Um, I. I mean, I know that we, we've been trying to do, like, you know, page by page what goes on in the story, but I'm like, this is a really long book. I'm like, does everyone want to hunker down for four hours? <laughs> <laughs> with, with this book, I don't necessarily feel the need to go page by page on it. In fact, I sometimes feel like that might hold us up a little bit more than we need it to, so I, I would say keep plowing on. I will say... Um, to give a brief kind of coverage of like about the first half of the book that Adam was talking about that was kind of slow. Uh, basically what ends up happening is there's, it's like a, a amount of money, it's like $10,000 or whatever that's stolen. That Killer Croc ends up with, that it, and then ends up with uh, Catwoman. That well, ends- no, so so it's, it begins with Killer Croc is doing a kidnapping thing that Batman is trying to foil. Uh-huh. And then, um, and then there, there's a $10 million briefcase that Killer Croc comes back with, and Catwoman steals it. And Batman's like, hey, what's up with Catwoman? And then um, she escapes, but she comes into Poison Ivy, and you're like, well, wait, that's like a weird, like, through line. Like, wh- why would why would Poison Ivy, you know, get into all of this? And then you find out that Poison Ivy then takes the money and gives it to somebody else. And you're like, well, wait, so it doesn't just end there? It's not just Batman versus Poison Ivy? It's actually going further up? And it just kind of goes, like, goes up the food chain of yeah. the rogues gallery, just slowly introducing everyone. Yeah, but, the o- only person in this whole story that I don't think really plays a pivotal role that I could think of was uh, the Penguin, who was yeah. briefly mentioned I'll, in a flashback but isn't really in the story that yeah. much. So, mm-hmm. so since, since I brought her up, I'm going to go ahead and throw out my drink rec- recommendation to go with this. Um, <laughs> So I have a, a little affinity for Poison Ivy. I did um, a costume of hers not too long ago for my birthday because I share a birthday with Uma Thurman, who played her in the terrible yet camp uh, extravaganza, <laughs> Batman and Robin. And so I came up with the Poison Ivy Margatini, and um, I did find this recipe um, on, what is this, uh, a houseinthehills.com. Um, so it, but I'm changing it up a little bit. So I'm also not going to go through it. It's the, it actually it sounds super complicated to make, but it does sound delicious. But it's jalapeno, cucumber, limes, um, tequila, control, and uh, simple syrup. Kind of, you know, you make you make a, a margarita. Um, but I'm for to make it more poison ivy to give her more of a bite. Instead of rimming your glass with salt like a traditional margarita, I suggest rimming it with Old Bay, which is a spicy salt for those of you who aren't from the East Coast um, <laughs> and eat it on crabs. Um, it's super spicy. It's delicious. And I think it would go perfectly with this to give her a little red on top. And, um, yeah, I once again, I keep talking about when I finally get a bar of my own to make cocktails. This is one that I'm definitely making. It sounds so good. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so yeah, so uh, we briefly touched on it. Do you want to discuss that uh, the relationship between uh, Batman and Catwoman? Because that kind of starts to kick in early on in the story and plays throughout the rest of it. So you know the B- Batman Catwoman thing has always been a thing since um, 
you know, she was first introduced, which was in the you know, Batman's first uh, introduction as well. She's always been, it's always been the flirtatious, you know, will they or won't they kind of a thing. And in this story, Batman and Catwoman, they try to make it work. Um, and I, I'm all for it. I OTP then. Well, and to be honest, the, the, the splash page where they finally end up kissing is actually pretty awesome, I have to say. Art-wise, uh, it, would, it would be very cool to, uh, to blow up. Um, that being said... I was just going to say, just to also throw in, um, in the story, um, Huntress also makes an appearance, because Batman kind of gets beat up a little bit, and uh, um, Huntress has to come in to, to rescue him. Now, can you give me and, some background and, on the Huntress? Because she was one of the major characters I wasn't familiar with. So, so hold on. I'll get to that in one second. So you also um, <laughs> understand from this part where Huntress is introduced that Oracle, Barbara Gordon, is once again like the information broker of Gotham City. And she's in connection with the whole team. Because it's like Barbara puts out, hey, who's around you know, Batman's location? And um, Huntress says, me. And she's like, okay, is anyone else? <laughs> um, so... Huntress is, is, is kind of the redheaded bastard stepchild of um, the Gotham crew. I found it interesting that they put her on the cover of Hush because um, she's not super popular. So she um, is the daughter. Well, originally, let's let's go way back. Originally, she on Earth Two is the mm-hmm. daughter of Batman and Catwoman. Um, her name was Helena Kyle or Helena Wayne. Um, uh-huh. And she just became the Huntress, her own superhero. Um, and uh, she and Robin teamed up a lot. Obviously, that was Earth 2, so when Crisis on Infinite Earths happened and she was erased from reality, um, they decided to take that same Huntress character, and so they made uh, Helena Bertinelli, who is the daughter of uh, a Gotham crime boss who watches her entire family get murdered in a mob hit um, as a child and kind of has a similar Batman story where then she wants to take vengeance, but she's a little more violent, a little more rough around the edges. Um, but as Batman says in this story, when when she's saving him, um, she she has too much to prove. Like she wants people to know that she's good, and she wants people to know that that she's trying to be a good guy, but she tries a little too hard. Um, later, and I, I no, I actually I think No Man's Land happened before this. Um, Huntress actually became Batgirl for about two issues. Um, before then, she passed the title on to Cassandra Kane, who was a terrible character. Um, <laughs> but, uh, she, because she, she once again, she wanted to prove the fact that you know I am a part of this family. You know I'm I'm gonna be part of the whole Bat crew. And she was like, you know what, this whole Bat girl thing isn't working for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna let go let go of that and go back to being Huntress. And 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 in fact, this this costume that she wears is another heated debate amongst fans because it had instead of the Power Girl boob window, it had the the ab window, which yeah, it was very like '90s Fly Girl kind of thing going on. It it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know, it's it's cute. And like I was I always thought that like when um, female superheroes showed skin, it was just like yeah. Fucking try to cut me, and I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. All I gotta say is, people um, love my ab window way more than they love my boob window. So, because <laughs> so, girl, ain't no one to see that. <laughs> but, uh, but and, anyway, so uh, I guess kind of back to the story. Uh, oh, also, um, we're introduced to. Um, I, you always know there's there's gonna like shit's going down when there's a retcon that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like the. Um, 
the uh, rules that are based in Scream Three, where it's like if it's if it's uh, something that's new that ain't that you know you you didn't hear about before in, in the backstory, you know that like for real for real something's going down. And in this story, we're introduced to um, Thomas Elliot. Yes. Who uh, who he, he calls Tommy, who is a childhood friend that we've never heard of before, but also came from rich parents, um, also suffered a tragedy, um, all of that kind of stuff. So, like, when he was first introduced, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? What's yeah. he going to do? Yeah, I was the same way, because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, Batman's, like, my really one big in I have with the DC Universe. I'm the same way, actually. I mean, Superman's kind of fun. Sure. I, I was like, who the fuck is this person? I, don't, I mean, I don't recall ever seeing him in a comic, and... Again, not that I read much of DC Comics, but obviously the Batman animated series, movies, all that kind of fun stuff. And I was like, who's this bitch? And well, and, and once again, nobody knew who he was. He was, right. he was a new character who they just inserted. It reminds me of, uh, there's an episode of uh, uh, How I Met Your Mother where they talk about the guy at the bar, the bartender, like, oh, don't you remember the bartender? And then they go back and they like cut in a bunch of scenes of him supposedly in major moments of him walking through the background. Mm-hmm. Like, they just... Photoshop him in, like it felt like that. Like, oh yeah, I remember Tommy. Tommy's been here the whole time, right? Don't you remember Tommy? He's he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too because as much as people kind of look at uh, Big Bang Theory as like the geek centric TV show, um, you know, how much your mother? Those guys were throw away one liners to obviously like, the big stuff like Barney Stinson having the uh, the life size stormtrooper. Like, go back and watch that again because God knows I've watched that way too many fucking times. Um, oh yeah, no, I, I've I've watched it multiple times, except for the last last season. Total side note: if you're watching *How I Met Your Mother*, that was awful. No, so once once uh, Barney and Robin get engaged, fucking stop watching. Just stop. Just leave it at that. There Barney and Robin two, get engaged. The end. There are two. There's two episodes to watch <laughs> in the final season, and one of the best episodes of the entire show was how your mother almost met me. And it was a flashback yeah. all the time, Zach, where he'd walk into a room and she'd be in the room next door and then he'd leave and it would have her come out. And and Kristen McMillioti, who plays the mother, um, I can't remember, was it Nancy was her name? Or I can't remember what they, they always hear her name once. Um, uh, this is not the How I Met Your Mother podcast. We're recording that in an hour. <laughs> no. uh, she was fantastic. But yeah, just if you get a chance, it's a funny show, but go back. There are so many fun little geek references and one-liners uh, that you will catch them all and realize that not only is it a better show than how uh, Big Bang Theory, it is much geekier. Because Big Bang Theory is geek blackface. I still love the scuba diver. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, then it, and then it ties it back in. They're very, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So anyways, hush. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and I... I... Just one last How I Met Your Mother thing, because I could actually probably record a whole podcast on How I Met Your Mother. Oh, God. I have used the hot, crazy scale. Like, it is completely accurate. And uh, I have warned people who are still in the dating scene to watch out for that. Um, okay, well, so since I was trying to do a lovely segue and uh, Q fucking stepped on it, um, I'm going to go back because my cocktail this week is uh, the Catwoman. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. I was trying to be like all cool about it and be like, hey, so let's talk about Batman and Catwoman's relationship. Oh, yeah, but what, what, let's get about Huntress first. I'm like, shit. Okay, so. Sorry. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> I will be honest with you. I made this drink. I fucked it up. So I don't know if I just made it badly or if it's just not good. But uh, so... At your own risk. Um, it's uh, it's called the Catwoman. Uh, it is two ounces of bourbon, one ounce of sweet vermouth, uh, a half ounce of creme de cassé, 
um, a half ounce of uh, lemon juice and one dash of bitters. Put it in a shaker, shake all that up. It was, I could see where it might have been going, but I felt like the balance was off. Um, it might have needed a little more lime juice in the version I was making or less, I'm not sure which, but it kind of uh, sucked. Um, so um, anyway, so yeah, so I apologize for that drink if it totally is lame. And uh, I apologize for my really clunky uh, segue into my cocktail, but uh, I'm blaming okay. Sorry. I'll segue <laughs> from your cocktail to my cocktail. <laughs> so with that being said, for some people, the hush trade is one volume. For other, it's two. And I guess me. it depends when you bought it. It's two for me. That's when I first bought it. So DC was trying to get all the money they could. Good for them. And trade volume two, the uh, beginning of it starts in the opera. And uh, unless they're in Metropolis, it either takes place at night in Gotham or daylight in Metropolis or something like that. Um, but mine is Opera Moonlight. And so mine is um, Laird's Applejack. And this I found this new liqueur called um, Baron Jaeger, which is a honey liqueur. So you have um, one and a half ounces of Applejack, one and a half ounces of this Baron Jaeger, and a bit of club soda put in under ice and you stir it up. And it's this sweet thing. And that actually sounds uh, pretty good. It is pretty good, and um, it's called the Opera Moonlight, is what I've decided to call this thing. And I drank a lot of it the other day, so you should too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So so to backtrack from the opera is um, when... Superman makes his appearance. Oh, so, Superman. Um, so they, so they follow, um, Catwoman and Batman follow Poison Ivy and she escapes into Metropolis. And first of all, I just love the fact that Batman's just like, I fucking hate Metropolis. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's like, Metropolis. Because he's like, I have to be Bruce Wayne for a while. Um, but uh, and so Poison Ivy takes over Superman, and um, I love the I love the way that they get Superman to get out of the brainwashing, which is to throw Lois Lane off a fucking building. You know what? That's <laughs> how you do it. And, and 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 it's Catwoman, and Batman's or Superman's like, well, can you trust her? And he's like, well, we knew that Lois Lane would snap you out of it. We had trust in you that you would save her. <laughs> It's just like, yes. And also also you get the whole, um, you know, Superman's the Boy Scout and Batman fights dirty. He pulls out the kryptonite ring. He, you know, throws Lois Lane off a building. To be fair, he he did get the kryptonite ring from Superman. Yes. Yeah, Superman knew that he gave it to the right person is what he says later. But, uh... But yeah, that was that was that was awesome. The, he was like, oh, the only way to do it is to throw one of these three people off, and Catwoman was just like, well, it has to be the girl. Like, sorry, it's got to be her. When they announced that they were doing a Batman versus Superman movie, I kind of was hoping they would do a storyline like this. Like, that's what I thought would have made the most sense and would have been the most fun. But they went another direction, which I still haven't seen it yet. But I'm, I'm I, I have not either. But I guess it's coming out on DVD soon. So it's out now, and yeah. I've heard oh, that the extended cut actually makes it not terrible. Okay, well, I mean, first of all, I'm gonna, I'm obviously gonna buy it because Wonder yeah. Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of which, the, the trailer for the new Wonder Woman looks badass. Oh, I'm so excited. So excited. It looks really good. Um, I think she's got the best superhero theme song of any in the past oh, ten years. Does she? Oh, I'm yeah. Excited. Oh, then I'm excited. Yeah, um, you saw a little bit of it in the Wonder Woman trailer when the logo premiered, and you hear that like guitar just kind of go into town. Okay. That's her theme, and it was like displayed as well in Batman versus Superman but yeah she is yeah she's awesome it it had a very uh, 
Captain America version one kind of vibe to it a little bit, but I, I still love the hell out of it. It looked really mm -hmm. cool. And, and her theme song kind of made me think of Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. Like that for some reason popped in my head and I don't know why. <laughs> well, yeah, cause it's a, uh, it's a uh, Basement Jacks, not Basement Jacks. Um, Where's your head at? No, it wasn't that. It was the the guy who did the, uh, the soundtrack was the same guy who did the um, stuff. Oh God. Was it Junkie XL? Yeah, Junkie yeah, he, he, he did 300. There's a lot of similarities with the yeah. 300 soundtrack. Oh, and also um, uh, Mad Max. Yeah, Mad Max is the one I was trying to think of, the new one. So I, I'm trying I'm trying to go through and find when the first minute, but you st um, getting back to the story, you start <laughs> getting the feeling that um, Batman's being watched by someone, and you can see that his face is, like, wrapped up, so, you know, he's still a mystery man. So, once again, it's like the slow burn, because what we're like five or six issues into this arc and you're finally getting sort of introduced that oh all of this is connected um, yeah. kind of a thing and then and then, then they go to the opera um, and uh, Harley Quinn is there and then the Joker, the Joker um, <laughs> blah 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 um, and so so Tommy uh, Elliot gets shot by the Joker so you think that he's dead Mm -hmm. um, there is something we need to mention about the Tommy situation that uh, does come into play later before we get too far into it. Mm -hmm. It's part of the reason Tommy's brought in this story is that when Batman is unconscious, he taps out Tommy's name in Morse code. Oh, um, yeah. Because that later comes into play that you later find out that, uh, that uh, yeah, well, it comes into play later. So if we're going in order, I just wanted to bring that up just so people are like, hey, what, how the heck, hell did he show up? Basically, he Tommy was a, uh, is a major surgeon. And, uh, and Batman sort of, in his unconscious state, says, hey, you should look for this guy to come because, and save him. Because my, my skull is broken. Yeah, my skull is broken. This is the guy to call kind of thing. And uh, that's how he enters the story before we completely, uh, you know, go through. Yeah. So Joker shoots him. Batman gets pissed. He's starting to beat the fuck out of Joker. And, you, like, you get the flash to... Um, to the killing joke and um, death in the family or death in the family uh, yeah. death in the family um, when Joker also killed Jim Gordon's second wife Sarah um, so basically the, the moral of the story is don't be related to Jim Gordon I was just thinking the same thing or, or you know killing women is easy when it furthers a man's storyline yes that's true Woo! that's uh, a woman <laughs> yeah um but also, um, in some of the panels, I love um, during this this fight scene with Joker, um, like the background gets jumbled and it even kind of looks like um, graffiti, kind of like when Joker is introduced in um, the Killing Joke when he's just laughing and there's just the ha ha's everywhere. Um, I I just thought that was really cool, and uh, once again, so Batman fucking tries to kill Joker. Um, Catwoman and Catwoman is the one who saves him pretty much. She's like, uh, don't kill him. That, yeah. Well, wasn't that where Gordon said in? No, no. Well, Jordan or Gordon stepped in. Uh, well, I, in this story, I guess later, but at the end of this Catwoman. Oh yeah, Gordon no, does come he, in. It's when he's about to kill the Joker. Yeah, the uh, Gordon the second time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Sorry, so, I can't go as fast because I'm on my I'm, I'm swiping pages as fast as I can go. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the the thing is that um, Batman keeps coming back to um, the death of Jason Todd throughout this fight, which becomes important because of something that happens later. Um, uh, but because when I when I was first reading this, I um, when I I bought this, I don't know, maybe six six years ago, um, and because I, I tried to avoid all of the spoilers from like Wikipedia and all that stuff, I wanted to like read this one fresh, and I was like, why are they like sticking on this whole Jason Todd thing? Like he's been dead for fucking ever. Like come mm-hmm. on, and then and then like later I got it. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, Catwoman gets injured, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> so, so, the, so next when you see this guy, he hasn't been named yet, um, but when you see Hush, he's holding the, the Two-Face's quarter, so I'm like, oh, is this, is this a Two-Face story? Okay, um, and then Nightwing comes in the, at the funeral of, uh, of Tommy. Uh, once again, you know, nice nice stuff with Nightwing. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this, and then this is when the Riddler comes in. Did you have anything you want to say about the, the Riddler, Adam, since you are the Riddler? I kind of, I was, again, my husband's yelling at me. Um, no, actually, my, my drink came from that part with the uh, with Hush and the, well, the the villain, whoever we don't know what he's called yet, it's obviously it's Hush. With uh, the coin, mm-hmm. uh, I just called a misdirection. Uh, and, ah, yeah, and it's it's it, it's called that because so it's a, a sugar cube and you soak it with uh, bitters, not to where it falls apart, but enough to where you can mm-hmm. really hold it. Put that in a champagne glass and you fill it to the top of the champagne glass. And this is very specific now. You have to get Wilson Creek almond champagne because that's from my hometown. It's the best champagne in the world. Um, that's not. Well, it's t- technically not champagne. It's technically sparkling wine, but that's a totally different issue. Yeah, exactly. But either which way, it's delicious and it only costs. Don't be a snob. I'm just um, saying, technically speaking. No, that's just the definition of champagne. France, my ass. Um, <laughs> so you keep the bottom of the thing. You fill it up with the, the sparkling wine. Um, and it's great because it has a very, very, it, it's sweet, it's got the almond undertones, but then it kind of comes around to sneak you around with that kind of just bittersweet finish, and I know I've done a lot with bitters lately, but I just figured them out, <laughs> so I'm very, very I still need to figure them out. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, mine's a misdirection. The problem I have with bitters is I always put in too much, I think. I'm, I, like, every, every time I try to do a dash, I think it ends up being too much, which might have been the problem with my cocktail, because they're bitters in that as well. Mm. Uh, anyway, that's mine. So, uh, but no, the, okay. Riddler, the Riddler also, you know, we mentioned, I'm, I put my name into the Riddler. Uh, I love him. I was, even though Batman Forever was a shitty movie, uh, and Jim Carrey's a horrible actor <laughs> in it, I still, I got, I loved Riddles growing up. In fact, I used to read the Mary Poppins books, which, for those who don't know, there's a whole series of books about the Mary Poppins character. And there's this one time where they end up going into, like, uh, the Cat Kingdom, which is in the clouds. Don't ask, just accept the fact that this is a book. And to escape, and to escape uh, they have to answer three riddles. And so I remember as a kid, I thought they were awesome, and so I memorized them all. And I'd always, my mom always thought it was funny that I knew these riddles. Well, she called me like three years ago, and she lives in California, and I'm up here. And she's like, can you, what was that riddle from Mary Poppins? And for some reason, it just popped back in my head. 
And so I just started <laughs> off to her, and she actually, she, she's been making quilts for the last 26 years, and she's like a professional quilt maker. And she did, uh, the answer to the riddle was a dandelion. And so she was doing a dandelion kind of themed quilt, and on the back of it, we, when she signed it, she put that riddle on there. So I'm a huge fan of the Riddler. Uh, the Riddler, you know, right here, um, goes along with my cocktail, that's all I'm going to say. And uh, yeah, he, he plays a prominent role with Batman stopping him. And again, it's kind of one of those, this doesn't make sense. Why is this here? And then you find out. So Todd gets chatty when he's drunk. He just types and types and types. You can hear him ch- typing in the background. He's typing with one hand, though. That's what he doesn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> he won't say what's on his other screen. Oh, try so Tommy dies. Yeah. And then why did they go to Roger Ghoul again? Because it's been a couple days since I read this. Because they need swords. Well, no, it, it was because they wanted to see if the the Lazarus pit was used. But I can't remember who used it. Oh no, it. it's because Talia Ghoul is she's in league with mm-hmm. Lex Luthor, who is the president. And so oh, that's Batman right. Kidnaps her, knowing that it will get Ring Ross out of hiding to be like, hey, come, you know, you can't kidnap my daughter. And so uh-huh. he goes because he thinks that Ross has something to do with it, and Ross is like, no, I don't. And they. His sword fight into the winter goes to spoils kind of thing, um, which only sends Batman rushing back to to Gotham because currently Catwoman is keeping an eye on Talia. And then mm-hmm. Lady Shiva jumps in, starts beating the crap out of her. Um, and again, it just it's more layers upon layers of layers where we're thinking we're figuring things out more and so more. As they I've go. actually been screaming. I'm sorry to interrupt. I've actually been screaming into my microphone, not realizing that it's been on mute. No, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. No, no, it's just that you, you, you guys skipped a, a pretty important part, which is um, right after this whole Nightwing Riddler fight, because this is before Talia um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my comes in, is uh, we're shown that um, Harvey Dent is the guy with the wrapped face, and Bruce reveals his identity to Catwoman, um, which is oh, that's right, yeah. Kind of, they both unwrap at the same time, kind of thing. Yeah, which is which is which is kind of interesting. The the one thing, kind of that misdirection thing that um, Adam was talking about. We still don't see Harvey Dent's face. He just says that he's Harvey Dent, um, which is interesting. Um, and then of course you know Batman and Catwoman are like, oh yay, and then he kidnaps Talia Al Ghul. Um, and Harvey goes to visit Gordon, and then blah, 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 blah. Yeah, um, Lady Shiva, also, like, crazy, like, random character to throw in, but she's there. Mm-hmm. Um, blah, blah, blah. Well, and then I think after that whole thing is when you have, uh, Batman actually invites Catwoman into the, uh, Batcave. Yeah, yeah. into the Batcave, which, which also kind of makes, which makes Robin pissed. Yeah. Um... Which is interesting, and then and and then you find out that um, oh, then Huntress and Catwoman start fighting. So also, um, the Huntress coming back into comic books after being gone gone for a hot minute. Um, this is before she is reintroduced into uh, Birds of Prey, which had been going on for for a hot minute. It was the bat. It wasn't that just a great TV show. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, gave, I gave it a good old college try. Um, but uh, the the Birds of Prey, which is a, a really good book, 
I, I wish I, I, I need to read more of it. Um, but uh, this is before Huntress actually joined and made the book a trio instead of just the duo of Oracle and Black Canary. Um, so I guess they were trying to make Huntress a thing before um, before putting her, her in in that that book. Um, and then Scarecrow gets thrown in. It's just like who the fuck else is in this? And then the big reveal at the end of this issue is that Hush is actually Jason Todd, and everyone's like, bump bump the plot because if anyone knows the rules of comic books nobody stays dead except for Bucky Jason Todd and Uncle Ben and here Osborne originally it was just those three then they said Harry Osborne but since then and actually fairly recently after this book um, because spoiler alert you know we, we found out that it's not really Jason Todd it's Clayface uh, a Clayface um, decoy mm-hmm. um but you still find out that Jason Todd's um, grave is still empty. Um, and later, Jason Todd does come back. He comes back as the Red Hood. And I just found it interesting that around the time that this came out, so Jason Todd came back, Bucky came back as the Winter Soldier, and Uncle Ben came back, although it was like an alternate timeline, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, so you think so you think Jason Todd is back. Um, he's really kind of fucking with Batman in the head, and then um, in the rain he melts because he's made of clay. Uh, yeah, and Batman also notices that his movement's different, and you kind of get the sense that it's not him and the name. Yeah, that he it, 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 yeah, and the fact that he, he's calling him Batman and that he never calls him Bruce. Yeah. Uh, um, so he, he once again he definitely knows that that it's still all a miss. Um, and he, he goes I I had looked I remember when I when I read the story, the um the fix it guy that, that he goes to talk to, yeah. the the homeless guy who I guess helped him build stuff. I looked him up to see if he was a real person and he was. I was like, Oh, he was a he was a real character. But anyway, so then Hush kills him and so then we're finally introduced to the real person who is Hush. Yes. Um and we just come to find out that Hush is Tommy Elliot and that he had planned for his parents to die. Because um, uh-huh. you, you find out that Tommy, um, Tommy's parents also had died when, when they were little because he, he needed the money. Yeah, he was like this psychopathic child who was like, no, nah, fuck my parents, I want the money. I don't want to wait till I'm over 18 to spend it. I'm going to kill them now so I can do whatever I want. Yeah, so the, some more fighting, some more fighting. Um, <laughs> Hush, Hush escapes. And then it's kind of the the wrap up, and then we get the Riddler again, <clears throat> which is my favorite part of the whole thing. So I'll let y'all talk about that. Well, Adam, if it's your favorite part, why don't you go ahead and take the lead on that? I just yeah, I just love that. You, like I mentioned at the beginning, was the first five or six issues just kind of like where's this going? Where's this going? And then you know it all makes sense in the end. And then so we got the big reveal about who Hush was, and I was like, oh, that's okay, I guess. It wasn't anything clever. I was like, but there's got to be more. And then. I was like, oh yeah, I've still got about, you know, 30 pages left to go. What's going to happen? And then, all of a sudden, Batman, again, is the greatest detective, gets it. And so you see him, and this is a wonderful page where he's sitting there just talking to someone. And at first, it's a one-sided conversation. And then, boom, the person is talking back and forth. And you kind of get who it is when you see the, the crossword puzzle. But then it just lays out how just diabolically twisted and how, again, deep... The, the Riddler's plans went to do all this. Like, so, so why did you kill a croc? Like, oh, well, he wanted the cure, and 
but he didn't know we we're the ones who gave it to him in the first place. And why poison ivy? He's like, well, she doesn't think for Catwoman. Uh, part like, why the Joker? He's like, well, at first he didn't want to, but then he heard the whole Jason Todd gag and was all about it, you know. And just how he brilliantly manipulated every single person who was a part of this scheme. Um, not only the villains, but also in a sense the good guys who were fighting against that. Mm-hmm. For me, it's just it's one of the greatest riddles he ever told, and for me, and, well, and it's a good switcheroo because you think, oh, well, of course they brought a character in random we've never heard of. Of course they're going to be the villain. And then it's like, oh wait, the person who's really controlling all of this was the Riddler. Right. Um, but my favorite part is when is when he's like, yeah, well, good luck, uh, Nigma, because I have everybody fucking pissed at you. Yeah. <laughs> and then Batman and Catwoman break up. Yeah. So oh, sad. No. We to, no, love is a lie. The world is, is shit. <laughs> um, yeah. But I did love the part where where, where Batman tells you know Nigma. He's like, he's like, well, you'll never tell anyone who I am. He's like, because a riddle that everyone knows the answers to is useless to you. So there's no way you could ever say anything. And then he just like bitch slaps him or bitch punches him. Yeah, <laughs> and the best part was the guards come in. They're like, "What happened?" Oh, he fell. <laughs> yeah, he fell down. He fell he down. Fell down go boom. boom. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, it, again, this is one that I'm really, really glad that I in, invested in the in the trade for because had I just been doing individual issues, I wouldn't have gotten past the fifth or sixth one unless someone was like, "No, no, you have to do this." But it's kind of mm-hmm. like what, what you mentioned with DMZ, I think, last week, uh, Q, was that you're like, oh, well, I've invested in this now, and now I want to find out kind of where it goes. And so mm-hmm. that was right. my viewpoint with this, but then with the um, my buddy, you know, Maya kind of spurring me on, and then the fact that the pieces started to fall together a little over halfway through, that payoff at the end is just fantastic and just makes me absolutely love this book. And again, it's... I'd say the long Halloween and Killing Joke were probably my favorite Batman slash Joker stories to begin with, but this one may have taken that over. So, and 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 I think the reason that it's so popular is not really for the hush aspect, mm-hmm. but because it's such a great jumping off point. Um, it, com- comic books definitely are a hard thing to get into because once again, not everybody is weird like me and just has the encyclopedia of Marvel <laughs> and DC universes, you know, at their at their disposal. So, like this, in- got got to introduce you to any of the major players that you are eventually going to see in any Batman book, and and I think that really. Is, is a great way for new readers to get in. I think it's an entertaining story. I think it has enough twists and turns to to make people go, oh, oh shit, what, what is yeah. this? Um, it, especially, once again, when I first read this and Jason Todd showed up, I was like, get out! Get out! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, get, like what? Because, you know, once again, everybody, everybody uh, comes back except for Jason Todd, um, Uncle Ben, and... Uh, Bucky. I don't know. I think the, the, the view is more Clock King. Out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get out of here. Um, I actually could have used a little more Nocturna, although she was such a terrible Poison Ivy ripoff. Um, but <laughs> a, any anyway. Um, but yeah, it was. It, it's just. It's a fun book. It's. It's great. Um, uh, yeah. I, th- sorry, my fourth shot of vodka is hitting me right now. I'm still not quite as jiggity drunk as uh, Todd is, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, Todd is uh, Todd is very drunk, and because unfortunately you listening audience cannot uh, notice, Todd has been there's a type uh, a chat feed of her on this which we've discussed before. Todd has taken to writing his life story and every thought he has on this. I mean, this the, take us take copy all that shit and put it in our blog. <laughs> <laughs> like, we should have a section just of like of all the random shit we're typing in because you know sometimes we're like we're actually saying like oh hey don't forget about this or reminding each other. Yeah. Of, Little, little things to discuss or go about. Other times we're just being complete assholes. So most of the time we're being complete assholes. Most of the time, but that's what's to be expected. So yeah, that's what friends are for. Well, I will have to delete out the thousands of entries that. Blank. There's like there's like a big series like S blank 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 D blank 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 drunk as a skunk. I have dandelion vineyard in my yard. I have weed. Not weed, but weeds. Um, yeah. That, 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 that's the classiness that we have going on here. But, you know, this, this you. though is an absolutely fantastic, wonderful graphic novel. Please, please, please check it out if you haven't. Um, I, I give this my highest recommendation. And, and also, uh, the same. We, 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 haven't, we haven't really spoken a lot about it, but Jim Lee's art, like... Alan Davis is still my favorite, but Jim Lee definitely gives him a run for his money. I I was the very first comic book that I remember buying with my own money was X Men number one in 1991 with Jim Lee, and it just blew my freaking mind. And yes, everyone is a little too sexy, but I mean, isn't that the way that Americans love our entertainment anyway? Yeah. Um, isn't isn't the next one the one with the Magneto in the front? Oh uh, well, it, it's the one where it's the five covers that um, that join up okay. into into one. So so there's uh, one with Storm Jean Grey. Once again, uh, my sick encyclopedia brain. Uh, it's, like, it's like Storm Jean Grey, uh, uh, Archangel, and Professor X on one, and then it's like Beast, Psylocke, Rogue, Gambit on one, and then Iceman. Cyclops, Wolverine, and then Magneto. Okay, I have the Magneto one. Oh. I still actually have it in my closet right now. So. It's, um... It's, nice. Let it's, Magneto out of the closet. When they, when they, um... When Jim Lee designed that cover, it is, um, an opposite version of the original X-Men number one, where Magneto was in a force bubble, and the X-Men, the five original X-Men, are attacking him. And, um... Yeah, anyway. So, God, I'm such a fucking nerd. Um... <laughs> That's why you're on That's the show. That's awesome. Great stuff. You know, my first major rock concert was a Metallica show back in 97. Go to I was there. Yes, it was amazing, and it set the bar really high. Hush yeah. was my first major graphic novel I ever bought. And it set the bar really high, but at the same time, it lets you know how great artwork and even storylines can be. And... It has a very special place in my heart, and it's Hush is always a great jumping-off point because it makes you, it introduces them well enough that you want to learn about all the ancillary characters even more, even though it's just a brief introduction to most of them because it covers so many of them. I loved it, and it just it, it opened up the appetite for more, and you want more, and that's I think was the greatest part of this whole bit was that. And, and uh, you know, not to just only talk about the side characters, it also is a good Batman character mm-hmm. arc. Because, um, what? And because you know, most people think of Batman as, as a solo crime fighter. He doesn't mm-hmm. really fit well with the team, but 
you know, this is his whole, this is the whole Bat family. Like, he he right. needs these people because obviously, you know, he can't do the whole city by himself. And that's also just great. I think, and, 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 and I was going to say, and also how loyal all of these allies are to him. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the only one that compares to this is the War Games arc, where you really see him at the height of his companionship with all of these people that he is involved with. He goes like, I am this lone wolf with 20, 30, 40 people helping me out. We're the 20 <laughs> best friends that anyone could have. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, I'll shut up now. No, I mean, uh, does anybody else have any final thoughts? I, I don't have anything to add that hasn't already been said. I, I love this book, and uh, it is fantastic. And, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else to, to add to what other people have said. But uh, does anybody else have anything they want to say before we uh, go on to uh, recommendations? If you look really closely on page 39, you can see Ben Affleck's dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so actually, I was going to bring it up when Nightwing was brought up, but I was like, ah, forget it. But I always love that out of all of out of all of the superheroes, Nightwing seems to be sexualized the most. And not that I'm complaining, <laughs> but, he, but he but he really is like there's even like this. Um, he's jump kicking somebody in the face, and it's just like ass. In fact, one of the more recent um, comic book panels that I saw, which uh, gets posted on gay blogs all the time, is. Um, Wait, there are gay blogs? Yes. No, um, honey. That, um, that, uh, the, uh, did I hear someone typing? Where's the gay box? <laughs> <laughs> that was hot. So, M- Midnighter, who is sort of like the darker gay version of Batman from, um, Image, which then got transferred into, uh, DC, um, Nightwing tries to go undercover in something, and Night, uh, Midnighter just goes up to him and is like, oh, hey, Dick. And he's like, how did you know it was me? He's like, I know, th- I know that ass anywhere. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, in, in his new comic book, just called Grayson, because I guess he, um, because uh, eventually, um, Dick Grayson he, becomes. You don't a, want no dick. <laughs> <laughs> eventually, he becomes a cop, um, and then I guess he's now like some kind of secret agent or something. Once again, I followed loosely more recent um, comic books, but um, so it's just called Grayson, and there's it's apparently a running joke that somehow he always ends up naked somewhere <laughs> which is which is awesome cuz you know you know people you know the, the guy should have to end up with their clothes torn as well and oh my bum's hanging out um anyway god, god love nightwing <laughs> okay well i think uh, i think that uh, probably will uh, sum it all up for us uh do does anybody have any recommendations for this week um yes i do um I, I do this week at least i at least i did when we started i don't remember what it is now um <laughs> Wait, didn't I say? Oh, Ghostbusters. Go yeah, see it. Yeah. It's so it good. It's funny. It is funny. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm like the angry, like, feminism person on this show, but one of the, the things <laughs> that, that I loved about it, not to, like, get too because, first of all, if you, if you just watch it and don't think of any of the underlining political or whatever things, it's just a fun movie. It's just mm-hmm. Ghostbusters again. It's just four different actors. It's fun. But the thing, the thing that I loved about it is that it's four women. They don't have to wear sexy costumes. They just wear what a Ghostbuster would wear. 
they when they're moving and kicking ass, they don't have to be in weird sexy poses. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just me. Like um, the, the the women aren't quote unquote pretty. Um, which we like. Uh, the the thing I didn't like is that they kind of made the the Chris Hemsworth character just a little too dumb, a little oh, too. Oh, I thought that was amazing, though. Actually, I mean, I mean it, it it was funny. Don't get me wrong. Like, I still laughed, and uh, especially like the the during the credits when they did the whole dance scene. Yeah, it was hilarious. But but it was just kind of like you know we can still have him not be a complete fucking idiot. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, you know, he could just be... Um, and also, I, lo- I love all the cameos from the surviving original cast. I, was Rick Moranis in there? Because I missed no, him. I not, he I was, but, I, but I don't think he was. Um, which, was which is a shame. I wish I wish he would have been in there as well. But I loved all their little cameos. Um, I especially loved Annie Potts. God, I love yeah. Annie Potts. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, G- Ghostbusters. Go see that shit. It's funny. Um, yeah. Alright, so I went on a mandate with Adam the other night. Yeah, last queen. night. Yes, and I saw um, there was a new movie, but the first part of the movie really reminded me of Jin Ro, The Wolf Brigade. It's an anime, and it's a slow burn, but the uh, first part of that movie we watched and Jin Ro have a lot in common. And Jin Ro is awesome and probably not watched enough. So, as my recommendation is Jinro, J-I-N-R-O-H The Wolf Brigade Amazing, watch it It's awesome I'm drunk okay. uh, Adam, do you have anything you want to recommend? Um, you know, it is, you know, I had a week off which is always nice, but of course it seems like that your time gets filled up with all the other crap you haven't done for the last four months <laughs> <laughs> your last mm-hmm. uh, and there was a ton of movie screenings um, and then taking people to see movies again if they wanted to uh, I'm in love with the absolutely fabulous movie. Uh, it was so much fun. I think I, I can't remember if I saw it last time we talked. Uh, I've seen it twice now. Try to sneak in some booze because the chick next to me had a six pack of beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't make you do that. I was, I, you have bigger balls than I do. Um, Woo! But it's really funny. If you're a huge fan of the series, you'll love every second of it. If you're not familiar with it or you've seen it be three or four episodes, stay as far away as possible because you will not get any of the jokes. Um, but this is just a really, really big love, love letter to all of us who've been watching since day one or caught up and made it a part of our lives because every single... I'd say almost every five seconds, there's something that's a reference to what's come before. And I've never seen a movie that pays so much loving fan service to those who have been with them since day one. So if you're a fan, go see it. If not, stay away. And if for some reason you can't get to it, even though it's performing well enough where it's actually based on per theater grosses, it's outperforming some of the bigger movies, it's not making enough to actually make a dent here. So it'll probably be on DVD or Blu-ray in like a month or so. Yeah, the closest theater that's playing it near me is like an hour away. So, as mu- as much as I want to go see it, just with my crazy schedule, I don't think I'm going to be able to to get out there. Which really, which really makes me upset because there's nothing I love more than sneaking booze into a theater, <laughs> especially some champagne if you can do it. But yeah, that's yeah. that's just kind of my thing. Uh, I'll hopefully have some more next week. It just it's you know you get on vacation, you go back to work, and then you're dealing with the hellhole of. Oh god, you guys let everything get fucked up for the week I was gone. So, of course, <laughs> you have to. You know, your other coworkers have to let you know that they missed you. Yeah, 
They could just get me a card. No, 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 no. <laughs> this way is much better. <laughs> they could give me a card or a male stripper. I mean, they don't have to give me, like, they don't have to burn the place down. Jesus. No, no, no. That's what's best. You can never leave Hotel California, baby. <laughs> I know. I'm a shitty band. Okay. <laughs> Anywho, that's all okay. I have. So, peace, love, cool. joy. Um, yeah. And I, I have two recommendations. Uh, one was uh, is booze related. When uh, this last weekend, I went to see Weird Al Yankovic at the Hollywood Bowl, mm-hmm. and because okay. I was not in Utah, and because it was associated with the symphony, they let you take in whatever booze you want. Oh, and because they um, didn't treat you like adults there, which, which was great because we had um, a uh, like a little picnic with some friends of ours we went with, and so we're drinking wine out there uh, out front, and of course. Uh, Ron Jeremy, porn star Ron Jeremy, was uh, having wine two, uh, two blankets down, which, you know, only in L.A. Uh, would weird shit like that happen. But uh, my wife felt really bad because, like, we, the friends were going with it. Like, we're like, oh, we have snacks and we have all sorts of stuff. She's like, we have to go get a nice bottle of wine. So we went to the liquor store before we went up there. And I was like, I, 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 they had a bottle of my favorite bourbon, so I decided to share it. And I don't know if I have... Um, uh, I don't remember if uh, Cod he drinks red wine from what I could tell, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, well, so I, I bought a bottle of uh, Blanton's, which I don't think I've recon- recommended on here before, but uh, it's a very good bourbon. Um, it comes in a small batch and uh, it has kind of a nice caramel finish on it. And I'd forgotten, like I love it, but I'd forgotten that it's not necessarily something that people know very well because I was sharing it around with some of our friends that we were there at the show with and like this is really good so if you haven't had Blanton's and you are a, a bourbon or a whiskey fan I highly recommend it it's very smooth um, has a nice caramel finish and if you uh, are uh, a little bit of a nerd all of their caps um, are basically a series of horses in different positions of running like a horse race and they have the letter with it so if you get them all together it basically sort of looks like a zoetrope of a, a horse running um, which is kind of cool uh, but yeah so uh, I recommend drinking some Blantons um, the other thing I read this week and I, I sort of recommend it I don't know how I feel about it entirely is a comic book uh, about the first trade of the Wicked and the Divine has anybody else read this book? I have mm-hmm. not but a bunch of but my have. friends have and they freaking love it so I thought I, it was cool yeah, I liked it. I, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. Like, I like it enough that I want to keep reading it. But, like, the first trade, I'm kind of like, I don't know completely how I feel about it. Sort of like, you know, one of those, when when uh, when Q recommended Lost to me, I, like, watched the first three episodes. I'm like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. And I watched the fourth and went, oh, this is really cool. So, I'm like, I, I feel like there's something cool going on there. Um, but, yeah, so the basic plot of it is, is that every 90 years, there are a series of gods that come back to Earth, and they have these powers, but they only last for two years. And so it's the most current incarnation of gods. They're in England, and they're all sort of pop and rock and fashion star type things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's told through the story of uh, this uh, girl who is a uh, basically a super fan who sort of gets looped into um, their little society. But uh, so far, the first trade I've really enjoyed. There's about three or four trades out now. Um, but uh, So it's still starting out, sort of. Uh, but interesting book to get jumped in on, so uh, there's some people out there who might be interested in it. Um, I'm going to keep reading it because uh, I found it interesting. So those sure. are my recommendations. So I've got the uh, Comixology Unlimited. You pay so much money a month and you can borrow a bunch uh-huh. of books. The first trade for The Wicked and Divine is on there. So that's okay. how I read that. So Yeah. But no, it's good. I'm, I haven't bought the second trade yet, but I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it as well, so I'll probably pick it up. I, so. uh, I found a new comic store by my house uh, that was highly rated on um, Yelp, and it turned out to be amazing, But so I just bought a bunch of stuff from them, so I need to 
finish reading up all the rest of my stash before I go shopping again. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I think that'll do it for recommendations. Next week, we are going to be doing uh, our first uh, manga or manga. Uh, my wife, who speaks Japanese, gets mad at me every time I pronounce it. I pronounce it two different ways every time because I don't remember which way is the right <laughs> way. Uh, so, uh, but we're doing uh, Death Note, um, which my wife actually introduced me to, and uh, I'm going to attempt to get her on the show to help discuss it with us. Um, but basically, the, the gist of the story is is that there are uh, death gods. They call them Shinigami. And uh, they're up in, uh, in their afterworld, and they get um, bored as hell. And so they decide to... Uh, that was a plug for you, Adam. Uh, they just, <laughs> one of them decides to uh, start... Uh, he just sort of drops the... Um, uh, he drops, like, his... He lets his notebook go uh, astray in the human world, and it ends up getting picked up by this kid who uh, his father is a, uh, a police detective, and he is probably the smartest kid in uh, in Tokyo or Japan, wherever he's at. And the kid basically decides to start uh, killing people. Um, and so in the notebook, when you write someone's name down, if you write down the cause of death, that's how they will die. If you don't write down a cause of death, they will die of a heart attack. And you can also specify the time. If you don't specify the time, they will die within like six minutes or something like that. So this kid decides to start um, basically being like a, almost a vigilante and starts killing all these criminals whose names are posted and they start figuring out that there's somebody in control of these things. The kid's intention is to become basically the god of the new world. The world governments get together to try to kind of hunt him down. They hire this very famous sort of like Sherlock Holmes-ish kind of character named L, who uh, lives in secrecy but is a detective. And so it ends up becoming this cat and mouse game between these two kind of brilliant people. So it's sort of like a Sherlock Holmes Moriarty kind of thing going back and forth. But it's a fun book. Um, and also, uh, if you don't feel like reading, which why you're listening to the show and you don't like to read, um, I don't know. But the uh, <laughs> the anime is on Netflix, and I've watched the entire anime, and it's uh, pretty true to the book. Uh, the only difference is the way the the anime ends. Um, the, the book goes a slightly different direction not significant to change the plot just a little bit of the wrap up at the end of it um, it, it shows how a few characters end up uh, surviving not surviving, what they end up doing after uh, the events of the story unfold also just for forewarned um, we're only going to cover the first book, there are the black editions of this book which have two of the collections together, two of the books together. Um, so if you if you end up picking up the Black Edition, which uh, that's what I read, we're going to only be reading the first half of that. Okay, good, because I just bought the basic one. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just... You and me, Riddler. Well, I mean, it's hey, just... I will, I will say one thing, too. This is the first manga I've ever read, because um, to be honest, I was completely and utterly terrified of trying to read things, quote-unquote, backwards to us. <clears throat> I'm only 15, 20 pages in, and to be honest, you get you get used to it, and you read it just fine within five, six pages. So if anyone's ever oh, yeah. been like, "Oh, holy shit, could I get used to this?" Uh, it's kind of like if you've ever seen the movie Train Spotting. It's like trying to read the book Train Spotting when it's all written in very heavy Scottish dialect. Five pages in, you get used to it. It's in your head the right way, and you can go from there. Yeah. So. Um, and and I've I've read uh, I won't say I've read a ton of manga, but I've definitely read a fair amount, and it is one of those things where like. If you haven't read it in a while, like, because I hadn't read... When I went back and finished off these books, I hadn't read it in a while. And uh, you, it, once your brain learns how to do it, you pick it up like, within a couple of panels really quickly as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's actually it's an interesting skill set we're going to teach you here on the show. We're going to learn you good. We're going to learn you good. Uh, so that'll do it for this week, as far as I can tell, unless anybody else has some last final parting words of wisdom. You can find me at the corner of Bumfuck, and you got a purdy mouth. <laughs> 
So now that you all know Adam's address, uh, you can write him some uh, fan mail there. You can also find us at our website, funnybooksandfirewire.com. It's also where we put all of the um, recipes for all of our uh, drunken shenanigan cocktails. Uh, we're also on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and the Tumblr. Find us, like us. We appreciate uh, your support. Help us spread around. And uh, yeah, until next week, uh, please support your local comic shop. Don't forget to tip your bartender and uh, stay hydrated because it's hot as hell out there. <laughs>